Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. This episode will cover the CFO's perspective on the supply chain. Our guest expert for this episode is Jack Sexton, Chief Financial Officer of ALOM. Thank you for being here today, Jack. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You're thinking about the CFO perspective on the supply chain. How do you think that differs from a supply chain professional's perspective and what they're doing on a daily basis versus what you're doing within the supply chain context? Because the CFO manages the financials, and anybody who knows about financials, you've got a profit and loss statement, you've got a balance sheet, you've got a cash flow statement, and the CFO's job is to manage and understand how each of those moves back to this matter of settlement. And then you have a third-party partner involved. Expenses are paid, obligations build up, and that results in asset on your balance sheet saying, okay, I've got, let's say, $150,000 that I've got due from this customer The CFO has the comprehensive thought process that comes with financial statements because anybody who knows anything about double entry accounting knows it's systematically designed into that longstanding accounting process that you track your activity, you've got an obligation, you clear it, and you move on. And so I think somebody who's just dealing in logistics, just paying a freight carrier, for example, doesn't have the benefit of that T&L and balance sheet and cash flow statement and that whole thought process that really is critical in maintaining the comprehensive thought that you need to to keep track of these various obligations. I am curious, how well versed do you think supply chain professionals are in terms of where a CFO is involved and where they aren't and the scope of what you're working on? People have a general sense of what a CFO does, but The supply chain brings additional items. A lot of what we do entails managing importing product from one geography to another. And when you do that, guess what? You're working and managing duties and taxes on behalf of your customer. So the financial supply chain within that matter of duties and taxes means that there needs to be a mechanism whereby we are controlling those duties and taxes, making sure we're not overpaying on behalf of our customer, those duties and taxes, and we settle them and we pay the regulators that are charging those duties and taxes. Generally, we pass those through or we get reimbursed on a straight pass-through basis from our customers. But that whole process of paying and making sure we're paying only the required amount for these duties and taxes on these large imports that are moving around the globe, having a nice smooth transition and process to that is, is critical because If you don't do it smoothly, you incur a lot of cost and time. Maybe the customer thinks, well, are those right? I'm not sure. Did I pay them already? I'm not sure. We zero it and we move on to the next period. And by doing that, we save time. The customer saves time. The partner companies that we work with save time. And so the best practice is to have a period of time, let's say 90 or 180 days, 
We present the duty and taxes that are being transacted during that time. We convince you that they're correct. And then you reimburse them. We accept that. We settle the agreement and we never talk about it again because it's all behind us. It's been reimbursed. And let's go forward to the next 90 day or 180 day period so that we're all being efficient with our time. Of the things that you are working on on a daily basis, what would you consider to be your priority? Making sure that our resources are all engaged and effective on a daily basis. We don't want redundant expenses, so we take those out. We don't want people available and ready to provide value, but for some reason they're not able to because a part's not in stock or a process is not ready to be delivered. So it's making sure that things run smoothly and effectively and all of our resources are engaged in the process of delivering value to the customer. Talk with me a little bit about the idea of productivity and making sure that everyone is working to their highest level of productivity. Does that mean that you're also working with the people team and with hiring and expanding the workforce? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're very closely with the people team. Uh, Just a couple of good examples. We had a spike in demand that occurred in August, September of 2021. And we had to basically bring in and ramp, significantly ramp the number of temporary employees we brought in to help support that spike in activity. And we were able to do that. We brought online numerous uh, new temp agencies. We got the contracts in place. We got all of the uh, non-disclosures and the commitments from those temporary agencies that we needed so that we could do that in compliance with regulatory requirements. Another good example is space, warehouse space. So we saw the pandemic actually increase space requirements. So how does that develop? Suddenly, our customers need a place to store this extra material because maybe their supply chain is experiencing issues, again, pandemic related. So we've been able to, okay, you've got extra space requirements. We're going to meet that. We'll store these goods for you. In the last 12-month period, with all of this inventory that our customers are saying, look, we really need you to hold this for us, to keep it for us, to assemble it, or do light manufacturing with it, we're the ones that are able to deliver in this very challenging environment. How do you think that supply chain professionals can work more effectively with their CFOs? Do you have any tips or tricks for that? Yeah, I think just good, efficient communication. Let's say someone's selling a new activity to a customer and they want to be invoiced in their local currency. Let's just say, for example, the British pound. To understand, okay, this is the requirement for the customer. What is entailed for ALAM to be able to meet that request, which is, hey, can we invoice you in British pound and have it all mapped and ready for discussion when they meet with me or someone on my team to say, okay, here's how we're going to structure this to meet the request and the requirement of the customer or the the partner. And be ready with that flow charted information and be flexible to discuss, okay, this is okay, but it's not ideal. What if we went back and said, let's just settle it in US dollar? Or can we uh, align it so that the customer payment and the vendor required payment are occurring in the same currency? That takes out some currency risk that we otherwise have to manage. So to answer your question, to have it as flow charted and as established as you can have it and be ready with an open mind to say, okay, let's consider all possibilities. Again, our objective is to be as simple as possible, as efficient as possible, in the design of not only the physical supply chain, but the financial supply chain, so that everybody wins at the end of that process. And getting to that simplified, correct set of processes 
with my focus on the financial supply chain is critical. One of the emphasis that, that I use throughout my workday and, and work year is to ensure that everything that we set up is contractually as simple and designed as effectively as it can be for all parties involved. That's for the customer's sake, that's for our supplier chain's sake, and for ALAM, of course. And, and the more efficient and effective the contract setup is, the better off for all parties. Is the efficiency of the operation, of payment, of our payment to vendors built into the process? Inefficiencies are really a drag on, on the supply chain activities that we carry out for our customers. And so we design those out of the system whenever we can, of course. Who are you interacting with and engaging with regularly to keep track of that? So I do coordinate with operations. I do coordinate with client success, the customer-facing people within ALAM. I coordinate a lot with IT as well, just to ensure that there's nothing that is missing that will prevent the smooth delivery of the supply chain services to our customers. A lot of time spent doing credit reviews, not only of our customers, but our suppliers as well, just to make sure that the entire chain of delivery, everyone is financially healthy and ready to work and deliver, again, for the betterment of of all involved. When people talk about strong supply chain, very rarely do I hear people talking about the need for financial strength with suppliers and with customers and with partners. Do you think that's something that people overlook if they're not focused on financials like a CFO? Yeah, I do. We've got a very good track record of working through financial matters that come across our plate. People are always talking about the risks related to the supply chain and the risks that are inherent in certain portions of the supply chain. And very rarely are we talking about the financial risk related to a customer or a supplier. We're mostly talking about the cost of freight or the cost of shipping or the cost of labor, but this is multi-layered kind of financial risk. Correct. What's critical is to work with companies that are well-established, well-run. When we're selecting a contract, we look very carefully, okay, this contract, it's well-structured and it's with a very well-run company with very strong financial position, this clearly is our preference, our choice in terms of being awarded this contract. So the selection of who you engage with, both at the customer level and the supplier level, is critical. Let's try and work with the best customers. And then when we select suppliers, make sure we're selecting good, solid, financially stable suppliers. And so step one, select and work with the best companies that you can. You've talked a lot about suppliers and making sure that the suppliers that you're working with are financially healthy and able to meet their commitments. Does that mean that you're working very closely with the supplier group within ALOM? Yes. So we regularly do the health check on our large suppliers. You know, we ask for financial information. We make sure that that exists. In some cases, a supplier will say, yeah, here's where we are. And by the way, we're We're doing a round of funding, and we expect that to hit in the second quarter of the coming year. When that time period comes around, you say, hey, you know, you reach out to that supplier. Did that funding come through? Are you in good shape? Are you guys growing as you expected to? I know you were looking to expand maybe into a new geography, a new region. How's that going? Are you making money? Is it being efficient and effective? All to make sure that where the supplier stands from a financial health perspective. And that communication, of course... The more relaxed and, hey, I'm just reaching out, tell me about this, good, solid communication, that's all it needs to be. In some cases, the documents are exchanged, financial statements, but it's mainly just 
the quick communication. Okay, I'm comfortable with what you told me. Let's go forward with our partnership to the next year. And that's how that works. So yes, it works with the supplier end of the business just in the same manner as it does with the, the customer side of the business. Obviously, supply chain is increasingly data-driven, increasingly reliant on technology, and that requires a lot of money. Can you talk with me about that? So generally, this is a discussion with our IT folks. We do use artificial intelligence and some very sophisticated operations equipment, and that certainly has technological attributes as well. But the data and and IT tend to carry the day in this regard. So it's regular meetings and discussions with our chief technology officer and IT professionals about what they want to bring in, what information they want to have, what equipment they want to have, what service providers they want to use. And we make sure we budget for that and we can deliver that. And also that, of course, whenever something like that comes in, you have to look at the other end of the transaction, which is, are we properly charging our customers for the benefit of this new technology we're bringing in for them? And then that's usually the case. And so that would be both the the CTO and our client success VP to make sure that, okay, we're making this investment and there has to be a quid pro quo in terms of getting paid and getting a return on that investment. Talk specifically about investment, whether it's technology or anything else related to the company. How do you decide how to spend money and how much money to spend? It drives more from, okay, this new technology is out there. It's something that we should be using. Inventory systems are a good example. You know, we can track inventory by location, by serial number, a lot of advancement in systems that the business world is using. And as those systems develop and the capabilities develop, it comes down event by event. Should we invest in this new warehousing system technology to the benefit of ALAM and to the benefit of our customers? The market tells you, okay, it wouldn't be this popular. There wouldn't be this much growth in this area if it was uncertain in terms of its return. And we are confident we can implement it and we can deliver to our customers and they will compensate us accordingly. And so you complete the return on investment analysis and say, okay, let's take it forward. We are going to invest in this upgrade or this latest warehousing system technology. And we see that this will increase our advantage in the market offering this to our customer. So it's not a matter of saying, okay, we have this much in resources available I determine, okay, 47% of that is going to go to new equipment, and now we just got to go find the new equipment. Rather, it tends to be when we look at six or 10 new advancements that we want to have as part of our offering to our customers, these are the top ones. Let's look at them one by one and determine which ones we can resource for, we can confidently deliver to our customers, and for which the return on investment is clearly there, and then we proceed. And of course, at that point, it becomes okay, it's this much of an investment. Can we manage it financially? In most cases, we, of course, can. And then we take it forward from there. When people think about growth, there's a lot of excitement, but I'm not sure that there are a lot of people who are thinking about, are we growing in a smart way, a responsible way? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You've heard the expression that they just went out and bought a bunch of business. So what do they mean by buying business? Buying business means you take it on, but you're not making a lot of money. You're just turning the crank and breaking even with more activity, but no more true profit. So the the good growth is the stuff that's in the high leverage areas, doing stuff that brings technology, it brings efficiency. And that's one thing the ALAM organization is incredibly nimble and efficient about getting things done. 
being in the edge of the latest movements, whether it be a market movement or a technology movement, and getting in quickly and efficiently to participate in something that because of that leverage that the technology or the new market or the new process brings, that there is a profit margin in delivering that to your customers. And there's also a matter of density on that. So if you're doing something and you just do a little bit for one small player and a little bit for another small player, and there's no economies of bringing volumes together, that you can do. But again, you're not going to do it and grow profitably. You're just going to maybe maintain break even and have more activity, but that doesn't buy anybody anything, really. It's a matter of investing in the right areas with respect to what markets are forming. Is there a lot of density where there is a lot of activity? Is it new? And therefore, growing as a result of that newness and growing in a way that, hey, you can leverage the new stuff that you're bringing, the new process, the new technology, and and charge in a way that that allows a healthy profit margin. Again, because it's new and not everybody has caught up to being able to deliver that. Maybe in 30 years or 35 years, yeah, that, that too will become commoditized. But you've formed it and you developed it. And during that formation period, it's a very healthy business from the standpoint of profit margins. That's a great way to look at it. Where do you think an organization and specifically a CFO could stumble? Are there bigger places where one might fail? Yeah. So the CFO, of course, is not the one identifying and bringing in new business opportunities. But when something comes through there's an assessment by the whole management team. And that means the CEO, the CFO, the CTO, the whole team looks at that new piece of business and says, all right, is this something we want to go after? Or are there too many uh, risks, too much uncertainty? Maybe the balance of power is such that it, it will be difficult to run as a profitable business. Making that selection and deciding, yes, let's go full speed. We go after it. If it's not synergistic and it's not a profitable venture, It's critical that all the players and the CFO is one voice alongside CTO, CEO, client success, but all those voices need to collectively get together and decide, this is good, let's go forward and put it alongside the rest of your portfolio business and run it efficiently. That's where a bad process of selecting what opportunities an enterprise is going to go after is a recipe for disaster. If your process for that is not good, you can get into some big trouble. Okay, but on the flip side of that, if you are taking that same question from the customer perspective, they would consider the financial health of a supply chain provider to figure out, hey, is this supply chain provider, is their CFO being a good financial steward? Yeah, and that goes back to the old saying, you know, the proof is in the pudding. So one thing we put forward all the time is that ALOM has a track record of profitability. So these critical processes that I'm talking about selection of opportunities and and execution against those opportunities. ALAM has a multi-year, 10 plus years of steady profitability to string together 10, 11 years of consistent profitability tells the customer or the potential customer, hey, these guys, they know what they're doing and they know how to run this supply chain activity that they're managing. And you see the, the history of our top management team being together for many years We've got solid players throughout management and throughout the company, always acquiring and finding and attracting the best, most talented employees at every level of the organization. But you put that in front of the customer and convince them that, yep, this is a very good choice for the supply chain support that we're going to the market to get. When a potential customer or a company is evaluating a vendor, a supplier, a partner, how important is profitability? Is it the end-all be-all? 
but and it has to be ethical in the sense of fair treatment of suppliers, which Elam has a very strong record. Our suppliers, we want to have a fair, equitable level of profit margin, just just as we are striving for a fair and equitable profit margin. And it should be throughout the supply chain. The employees, the same story. And sustainability, making sure that we're not doing things that are harmful to the environment, that what we do is sustaining for the entire global economy. And, and we're very proud of that. So customers, when they're evaluating partners, they need to look at profitability, of course, but they need to look at a lot more things as well. The key is consistent profitability and it's profitable because we've basically established a portfolio of synergistic support for our customers that allow us to be effective and efficient, treating everybody fairly and and properly and professionally, supplier, employee, environment, you name it. I had no idea there was so much going on in a CFO's head. I'm so glad that you took time out of your day to talk with me. Thank you again. I hope to have you on the podcast again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to alom.com. That's A-L-O-M dot com.